Um, this morning, we are going to continue our little mini series in looking at the several of the Psalms this morning uh, and over the next few weeks. And uh, this morning, I was actually uh, Googling a Father's Day Psalm just to see what would come up. And Psalm 78 was the psalm that, uh, that came up. And as I began to read it, I was uh, reminded of uh, what uh, a great challenge this psalm is to we as dads, as we are the spiritual pace setters in our family. And that's what the, the Bible, that's how the Bible describes us. That is the responsibility that is given to us and so on this challenge, um, what did Bill say at the earlier part of the service? Mother's Day, moms are applauded and lauded, and dads are exhorted. Uh, so, uh, but I pray that this would be more of a, of a challenge and an encouragement to, uh, to all of us, but uh, especially to dads. So it's been said that uh, preaching is primarily reminding people of what they already know but aren't doing. And there could be some truth to that. In his book by Jeffrey Arthurs entitled Preaching as Reminding, he says, stirring memory is one of the minister's primary tasks. It was the Apostle Peter in his second letter who wrote to his readers, Therefore, I intend to always remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. It's true that remembering is a central theme in the word of God. God who created us is well aware of that uh, gravitational pull that we have toward forgetfulness. When Moses was uh, preaching his three sermons contained in the book of Deuteronomy to a new generation about to enter into the Holy Land, that generation who did not believe had died off, and now there was a, a new generation perched on the threshold of that land of promise. And so Moses was rehearsing and reviewing and recalling and remembering and encouraging the people of God as they go into the land to remember. In fact, if uh, you wanted to have a key verse found in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, it uh, is enveloped around that theme of remembrance. And perhaps chapter 4 and verse 9 is uh, as good a verse as any as uh, uh, presenting the theme of this book. Moses writes, only be careful. And watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eye have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Make them known to your children and to your children's children. So there were two ideas presented in this theme, and it's presented repeatedly throughout uh, these three sermons contained in the book of Deuteronomy. And it's remember and reproduce. 
So they're the two key words that you want to hopefully go home with and think about and chew on a little bit on, on your family devotions. We are to remember the goodness of God. We are to remember the wondrous deeds of God. We are to remember his provision and his power and how he demonstrated that power uh, to, to each of us in our lives, how he has answered prayer. We are to remember, and then Moses said, we are to present and to communicate those truths to the next generation. So the psalm writer uh, took these words of Moses to heart because in Psalm 78, we see those same two central ideas. The idea of, first of all, remembering, and then secondly, reproducing by communicating these truths to our children and to their children and to their children's children. Now, the writer of Psalm 78 was a, a man named Asaph. Uh, King David wrote many of the Psalms, but Asaph actually penned 12 of these Psalms. And knowing a little bit about Asaph may help us in terms of how we approach this psalm. Like David, uh, Asaph was a skilled songwriter and poet, uh, but also he was a worship leader in the tabernacle uh, during the reign of David, but he was also a worship leader in the temple when King Solomon was, was the king. In 2 Chronicles chapter 29, we're told that Asaph was also a seer or a prophet. And as we read these 12 psalms attributed to Asaph, we, we see that tone of exhortation, uh, that prophetic tone, uh, psalms that encourage, psalms that exhort, psalms that remind us of past failures and Psalms that encourage us to remember the goodness of God. And this is one of those Psalms uh, authored by King Asaph. So as we go through these, these verses, and not, again, to be alarmed, because, as I said, this was the second longest Psalm, but for our purposes this morning, we're primarily going to consider verses 1 to 8. I'm going to refer to a few other verses throughout the morning, but for the most part, we're going to look at verses 1 to 8. So with that in mind, allow me to read the psalm for you. You know, <laughs> you know, we, we could see the goodness of God no matter what, right? I mean... What a blessing that we're not going to be troubled by gnats or greenheads this morning. <laughs> Poor things. Who, who knows where they've been blown to, but thankfully they're not around. So Psalm 78, verses uh, 1 to 8, a maskeel of Asaph. That's how the psalm begins. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known, 
that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. And so as we consider Psalm 78, these first few verses, uh, let's go back now and walk through these verses, make some observations, and then uh, before we leave this morning, we are going to uh, remember uh, something that the Lord left to his church, and that is the death that he died. Uh, and so even in the celebration of the Lord's table, we are, in a sense, fulfilling that uh, central theme in Scripture to remember, to recall, and to reflect. And we'll do that as, we, uh, as a fitting application of our message of remembrance this morning. So the psalm begins a masquille of Asaph. Now, Hebrew scholars aren't 100% sure on what a maskeel is or means. Uh, it could relate to a musical term. Uh, it could also relate to the purpose of the psalm or how we should even approach the psalm. It seems that uh, the word maskeel, when applied to psalms, is associated with a psalm that instructs or teaches. In Amos chapter 5, the same word is translated as prudent. So the idea is that this is a maskeel of Asaph. In other words, it's an, encur <clears throat> Pardon me. an encouragement for us to approach the psalm with, with reflection and with contemplation. And so you may see that if you have a study Bible, you may see maskeel might refer to contemplation. But it's a psalm that teaches and instructs. And Asaph, in that uh, prophetic spirit of exhortation, encourages his readers to, to uh, incline their ear, as we see in verse 1. And that's how he actually begins. Give ear. O oh, my people, to my teaching, incline your ear to the words of my mouth. And so this is a challenge for people to, to listen carefully. In a sense, it's as if you are a disciple listening to the words of your master. Uh, the the um, word incline here in the Hebrew means to bow, to lean in, to, in a sense, cup your hand by your ears so that uh, you can capture every syllable that is about to cascade from the mouth of your master. And so this is a challenge to listen up. Uh, Asaph in his style of uh, no nonsense, tell it like it is, is telling the people of God that this is a, a hymn uh, of instruction 
and you are to take it to heart. You are to contemplate on it. You're to reflect on it. You're to meditate on it. And then you are to walk in obedience in light of it. So as he begins, he reminds them that uh, they are to listen carefully to the words of this psalm. I will open my mouth, he says in verse 2, in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Now, the word dark sayings here is a reference to the fact that um, these are perplexing sayings. These are difficult sayings to understand. And so what Asaph is saying is, I'm going to share a parable, and a parable is a comparison, a comparison of one thing with another in order to communicate a spiritual truth. And Asaph is saying, I'm going to tell you a story. It's a story of the checkered spiritual past of our people, characterized by forgetfulness. And as a result of that, it, it, it led to faithlessness and failing to share the truths and the goodness and the attributes of God to the next generation. And he says that these were dark sayings, perplexing sayings, as if to say, how could these things be? How could the people of God, after seeing the mighty hand of God, release the people of God from the slavery of Egypt and take them into the wilderness for 40 years where their sandals did not wear out and where God fed them and God gave them water to drink and God protected them on all sides from their enemies and yet they forgot the Lord. And Asaph is saying that these are dark sayings when he asks the question, how could these things be? And then when we come to verse 3, we read things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. In other words, these are things that you should know. These are not new truths. These are, are not new ideas or spiritual insights. These are old truths, things that you should know, things that your fathers should have communicated to you, but uh, often things which you have forgotten. And so now we get into, after this introduction that basically shakes them up good and says, listen up, now that I have your attention, now he begins the, the development of that dual theme of remembering and then reproducing. Remember, he says, look in verse 7, and do not forget the works of God. And again, in verse 11, Asaph writes, they forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. And then later on, once again, verse 42, he says, they did not remember his power or the day when he redeemed them from the foe. And of course, what was the result of their failing to remember? Ultimately, they failed to believe in God. Verses seven to eight, he said, forgetting this generation, it was a generation because of their forgetfulness of unfaithfulness. Verse 22, because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his saving power. That was the result of their forgetfulness. As a result of forgetting God, 
they became faithless in their unbelief. And that's why the Lord is, is good to give us signs. That was the purpose of the feast days and, and the purpose of ordinances like baptism and the Lord's table so that uh, these signs would cause us to remember and to reflect. Often these uh, days become days of leisure and, and holidays where we just uh, enjoy life. And there's nothing wrong with that. And yet all of these holidays and all of these feast days that were given to the people of God were designed to remind us and to call, recall to mind the, the goodness of God and the demonstration of his power. Now, we have given to us um, perhaps the greatest culprit that will cause us to forget. In fact, Moses, going back to Deuteronomy, was so comprehensive in presenting a clear picture to that new generation about to enter into the Holy Land. Okay, so listen carefully. This is a main culprit that causes us to forget. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm going to read a few verses for you. And this is Moses once again cautioning uh, that new generation about to enter in. Take care, he writes, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have good Build good houses and live in them. And when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He continues, Beware lest you say in your heart, My power... And the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Wow. What a challenge for us as Americans who have so much compared to the rest of the world. What's one of the great challenges that causes us to forget the daily remembrances of the Lord and his goodness and his provision? It's our comfort. It's our affluence. It's our success. It's so difficult, and I will stand before you and I will confess that Bonnie and I through the years have reflected on how difficult it is for us to trust the Lord in the daily routines, routines of life because we are in a position where, you know what, we don't have to trust the Lord. And I know confession, they say, is good for the soul. It could be rotten for the reputation, but uh, I will uh, be honest with you. We have a refrigerator full of food. We have a closet full of clothes. Uh, fortunately, we have uh, the money to, to pay our bills. And how challenging it is for we, because of affluence and material success, to trust the Lord on a day-by-day -day basis. I find that it's easy to trust the Lord when I have no other options, like when you go in for some medical tests or you're, you're facing a medical procedure. 
I have no control, so I find it relatively easy to trust the Lord in those types of situations. But just on a day-by-day basis, learning to live by faith, learning to give by faith, that has been a, a real challenge and something that Bonnie and I have spoken of uh, through the years. And uh, we have uh, had some measure of success, but uh, we have also uh, had some measure where we uh, recognized uh, the challenges of living by faith. This is what we're to do, and then this is what we're to pass on to our children. And I could be just a bit provocative here, but is it possible as parents, as we seek to express our love to our children by providing them with every material blessing that we can afford, are we in a sense putting them in the next generation of the challenge of trusting God on a day-to-day basis because we have so much at our fingertips? So this is the challenge that at least we could be aware of. And perhaps uh, there could be further discussion at, um, uh, in your family at your devotions. So remember, Asaph says, that's, that's the first thing. We need to be a people who remember. Secondly, we need to be a people who reproduce. People who reproduce by going over these Uh, benefits and goodnesses of God that we've seen through the years and how we've seen answers to prayer and how God has provided for us in our time of need. These are the things that we need to communicate to our children. Uh, Let me just read a few more verses uh, to you from uh, the first eight verses that we've considered. Um, Beginning in verse 4, we will not hide them from their children, but to tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he has commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. So if you read this carefully, you could see five generations found in this exhortation for us to communicate the goodness, the provision, the power, the promises of God to future generations. Now, I think Asaph took this command rather seriously. I'm just going to uh, do a, a real quick little bunny trail here, but I think you might find this interesting. In terms of communicating to his next generation, 100 years after the death of Asaph, we see King Jehoshaphat asking for protection in a prayer. And in answer to that prayer, the word was given by Jehaziel, and he was described as the son of Asaph. And then 140 years after that, King Hezekiah was dedicating the temple for worship, and the sons of Asaph were leading the charge. Eighty years later, the law had been rediscovered in the renovation of the temple, and under the reign of King Josiah, he wanted to celebrate the Passover once again, and it was, again, the sons of Asaph that were in charge. And then 400 years after that, when the 
Israelites were returning from the Babylonian captivity and Ezra was recording the number of the families that were returning, he recorded that there were 128 singers, the, song, the sons of Asaph, who led the worship when the foundation of the temple was laid. So, quickly, what do we pass on? What do we pass on? Well, there's three things in this psalm. First, we pass on God's wondrous works. And we've read several times uh, in the reading this morning, verses 4, uh, 11, 32, is a reminder of the wonder of what God did in redeeming the people from Egyptian slavery. God's power, God's provision, uh, the, the promises of God revealed so bountifully to his people. So what are we to pass on? Well, we're to pass on, first of all, God's works. Secondly, we're to pass on God's character. What is God like? We're to pass on his ways. We see in, for example, verse 4, uh, Asaph refers to God as the Lord, L-O-R-D, all in caps, which is the name for Yahweh. The name Yahweh is the name of God given to us in the scripture when it emphasizes his faithfulness, his covenant-keeping love for his people. So we are to remember that he is the faithful covenant keeper. And then in verse 7, uh, Asaph refers to him as Elohim, the creator God, the all-powerful God. And then later in verses 17 and 35 and 56, he refers to God as the God most high, El Elyon. He is the God of gods, not to be drawn into the, the gods of the people of the land, as, as was the case with Israel in so, so many uh, situations in their history. But he is the God of gods. There is none like him. And then later in the psalm, he refers to God as the God who is holy. Uh, there is no one like him. He is like no other. And because of the holiness of God, Asaph uses words like wrath and, and judgment and anger. And Israel at times, because of their unbelief, experienced that part of God as well. And yet there is that beautiful resolution because he further describes God as the God of forgiveness and the God of compassion in verses 37 and 38. So what do we teach? What do we teach our children? We, we teach our children the, the works of God, the deeds of God, but we also teach our children what God is like, the ways of God. And then thirdly, we teach our children the word of God, that in verse 5, that uh, he presented a testimony to Jacob, a law so that we might know, verse 6, and that we might have hope, Verse 7. You see the difference there? It's not just information, but it's transformation. The word hope has to do with confidence and assurance and certainty. It's not just knowing Scripture. That's a good place to begin, but it's having that word of God drift into our hearts and into our minds and drift out through our lives. It's, it's that process of being mastered by the master's teaching so that as we go through the difficulties of life we could learn to trust him because he is a, a God who is faithful to us 
Now, I'm going to conclude before we have communion with um, just uh, what I hope might be a practical idea for how to get started, okay? We, uh, through the years, developed uh, a book. and We called it a blessings book. And this helps us to remember and to recall to mind uh, what God has done actively and excitingly in our lives. And in some cases, not all that excitingly, but day to day faithfully. And, um, okay. I always feel like that Joshua and his troops are around us blasting the trumpet and that the walls of Jericho are about to tumble here. Um, a blessings book, okay? It is a, and men, I'm going to, fathers, I'm going to challenge you to, to be the pace setter here. Go out and get yourself a book. You can call it a blessings book. You could call it We Remember God's Faithfulness book. It doesn't matter what you call it. But start recording the blessings of God to you and your family. If your children say something wonderfully profound, uh, profound r record it. If God answers a prayer, record it. If God uh, provides a blessing, record it. And the reason for this is, is, well, there are multiple reasons. As you deal with future uncertainties, you, you have a book that you can go back to and see, you know, God is faithful. Look what he has done for us through the years. Because he came through for us then, we could trust him now in the midst of our, our current challenge. But another blessing and benefit is you're teaching to your children that this is the normal life developing a book like this and and when they see that it's a habit in your family it could very well then be passed on uh, to their family and to, to their children and their children's children and then the benefit of a book like this just think if the lord does not return your great great great-grandchildren may not know anything about you other than an occasional photograph, but if they possess this book, they would know that their great-great-great-grandparents were people who trusted God and who loved Jesus. What a legacy. Now, some of you might be saying, well, our family is a little bit more musically inclined. We're more or less sons of Asaph, you know, modern-day worship leaders. So instead of a book, you may want to write a song. Uh, David and Asaph and others thought that that was a great way to teach. They wrote 150 of them included in our Old Testament. So you may want to write a song designed to uh, communicate God's goodness to pass on to the next generation. Other families might have that flair toward drama. And you might want to perform a play. Uh, to, to demonstrate, again, the goodness and faithfulness of God. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what approach you take. What matters is you follow the words of that great theologian Nike when he just said, just do it. <laughs> and last word of encouragement. Moms, give dads the chance to do this. Okay. Give dads the chance to do this, okay? By Tuesday, if nothing is said as of Tuesday, 
try not to take it upon yourselves. Well, have you bought the book? Have you thought of a title? Have you thought of any early entries? I have. Pray. Pray and give dad the chance to be the initiator. And dad, we, we encourage you to, to, take, to take charge. You know, when you read Deuteronomy chapter 6, it's a, it's a beautiful picture. And it says, you know, when in future times when you go into that holy land and when you're celebrating the Passover and your children ask you, uh, why is it that the Lord saved us with a mighty right hand? Then you shall say, son, ask your mother. Doesn't say that at all. In fact, the, the father gives a presentation of Israel's history and the goodness of God and the power of God demonstrated. And what an opportunity for us now to remember, to remember as we reflect back to the Lord's table. And, you know, I was thinking about um, the Lord's table as compared to the redemption of the people of Israel. Um, you know, the mighty deeds that the Lord did for the people of Israel to release them from slavery in Egypt. And I'm using a human analogy here, so please forgive me. God could have done those powerful deeds in the midst of a yawn. But for us to redeem us from the slavery of Satan, uh, it cost the Lord God the life of his beloved son. The cost was so much greater, and the demonstration of love was so much more powerful and so much more difficult to comprehend. So let us not say, wow, look what God did for them, but rather let us reflect as we remember the Lord's table what God has done for us and the price that he has paid. Uh, if you uh, do not have uh, a cup uh, to remember the Lord's table this morning. Um, if we could get a few folks to pass them out, there's the little blue bucket here. There's a little blue bucket out on, on the deck. Uh, does everyone have a, the elements as we remember the Lord's table? So if you would, just uh, take a moment and take out the uh, wafer. In the night in which the Lord was betrayed, he said to those who were his true followers, this is my body broken for you. Uh, shortly, within the next uh, literally few moments, the Lord Jesus would go to the cross and his body would truly be broken uh, so that we might be transferred from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of light through Jesus Christ and his redemptive love. So for those of us who are followers of the Lord, take the wafer and eat in remembrance of his love. When the Lord celebrated the Passover with his disciples and instituted the, the Lord's table of, of his love and a new covenant to a new people, when supper was over, he took the cup 
And again, he gave thanks and praise. And he said that this cup now represents the shed blood that will be shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for the cost that you were willing to endure. We can never understand the abandonment of your son on the cross as the payment and the judgment for our sins. were poured upon him. But we are thankful, Lord, that uh, the resurrection confirmed that his sacrifice was sufficient. We're thankful, Lord, that as the Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians, that uh, we have been delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of light. We're thankful, Lord, that as Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 6, that we are no longer slaves of the evil one, children of wrath, but we can now, Lord, be sons and daughters of the living God through a personal relationship with Jesus. And so, Lord, we pray today that as we uh, leave this place, that we might be reminded of your multiple goodness and how that power has been demonstrated to us throughout the years. We pray that these um, study questions, Lord, might become part of our family devotions and that we might dig a little deeper in the uh, reminder that uh, Asaph presented to us through your word in Psalm 78. So bless us. We pray as we go, uh, cause us to be a people who remember and to be a people who pass on, Lord, the, the truths and the benefits and the blessings of walking with you. For we ask it in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Dads, happy Father's Day. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you.